welcome to episode 22 of the Colby Cast. This episode is a conversation between current and future alumni, speaking freely with no parents or teachers in the metaphorical room. We'll meet three young men in their sophomore year of high school who shared their highs and lows, favorite and least favorite things about Colby, as well as a handful of inside jokes and opinions on their teachers. Enjoy the show! Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom, liturgical musician, podcast fanatic, heavy library user, and Colby parent ambassador. I have two lads and two lasses. The youngest is in fifth grade, the eldest is in 10th, and this is our fourth year homeschooling with Colby. And I'm Hope, Bonnie's younger sister and a Colby alumna in a phase of life after being a student, but before becoming a parent. I studied communication theory and philosophy in college, then I went to law school. Now I'm an attorney, an avid home cook, and the fun aunt to Bonnie's kids. Hey, I'm Jameson. Uh, I've been with Colby for four years now. Uh, I'm an aspiring engineer, and I've been doing Colby online since the very beginning. Hi, I'm Peter. This is uh, my third year, I think, in Colby. I've been doing homeschool pretty much my entire life. Uh, I'm not really sure what I want to do when I grow up, but I like the aspect of being a teacher, I guess. Um, my name is Aiden, and this is my second year of Colby Online. I've taken some self-paced Colby courses when I was younger, and when I get older, I'm discerning God's will, whether that be a priest or whatever it is he wants me to do. Very cool. Well, we're we're glad to have you guys on the Colby cast today. You're all current sophomores in high school, so you've made it through that ninth grade year and can speak with experience and authority on what worked and didn't work for you, and also what you're still figuring out. All three of you are in online class together, aren't you? I think we're in separate ones. We're in different sections of the same class. Yeah, there you go. Me and Aiden are in honors history with Dr. Hassler, and we're in Latin two with Dr. A. Jameson, I think we're in literature together? Yeah, I think so. Roman literature? Yeah. Yes. Ancient Roman literature. How's that going? It's going well. The workload for the ancient Greek literature class in ninth grade was kind of jarring, at least for me, um, coming from eighth grade. And, you know, in eighth grade, you read the book, you might take a quiz on it, uh, you talk about it in class, and then that's it until the exam. Then in ninth grade, you read all kinds of material. You read epics, you read plays, all kinds of stuff. And then you write papers on it, you do research, uh, you have to recite parts of the Iliad, which is a lot more fun than it sounds. Uh, (laughs) It's a lot more in-depth. And I know that for me in ninth grade, I didn't really appreciate that. I thought it was pretty boring. Um, But this year, coming into it, knowing that, okay, I'm going to do all these things. I need to budget this amount of time for it because it is a lot of work. But just knowing this is what I have in front of me, this is how interesting it can be. Let's make it as fun as we can. It it really helps to have that uh, outlook on your workload because it's a lot. And if you sit there and think about how much it is, it makes it 10 times worse. And one of my teachers at one point would always tell us, right when you wake up, eat a frog. And it means... Do the hardest thing in your day first, and then everything else is easy. So for me, that means 
hardest classes first in the morning, um, then doing the hardest work, the hardest homework as soon as you're done with class. And then it's kind of downhill from there in terms of workload. Uh, and it makes it easier to get to the end of the day. Yeah, was it Mrs. Finnegan that said that? I think I remember that uh, she said that during our first class in uh, Greek literature last year. Yeah, I, I mean, Greek literature is definitely a frog for me. But yeah, <laughs> yes, I could have been her. I started Colby with one class. Uh, it was with, uh, or two classes, I should say. It was homeroom. I can't remember her name, but and then life science with Mrs. Still. And it wasn't a lot of work to do. I mean, at the time, it felt like a lot of work. But then you kind of get into ninth grade, and it was just all this different stuff that was going on, like Greek literature, and you have algebra and Latin, and it was so much different stuff. And yeah, it was a lot to do. But like Jameson said, eat the biggest frog first, get the hardest work done, and then you have all the easiest work to do. And something that I've done and am still learning to do is manage my time better. Like If you get homework done as early as possible, then that's going to be a huge load off your back. And it's just going to open up more time for more of your other subjects that you have to do. Uh, I'm still struggling with that a little bit, but it's definitely better than uh, where I started. When I was growing up, one of my mom's most used lines was, if you had just done the work instead of complaining about having work to do, you'd be done by now. <laughs> that was definitely a lesson that I had to learn. And sounds like you guys are ahead of me on that. So right on. So I didn't, uh, my mom just homeschooled me for eighth grade, so I really can't compare eighth and ninth, but I can compare ninth and tenth, and I really haven't noticed that much of a difference work-wise. What I have noticed is the difference in the different assignments, like in tenth grade, we're having more papers. They're not harder, it's just quantity of them is is more. They're harder to write. I mean, they're just a little bit harder to write, but there's definitely a lot more to do. Other than that, I think the work is manageable. There has been some early mornings and some late nights, but that's just kind of the way the school works. So what do you guys like about being homeschooled in general or Colby or, you know, that's a really broad question, but that there are a lot of ways you can take it. Well, for me, homeschooling has opened the door to a number of things. I am in a number of advanced classes with science and math uh, that i likely would not have been able to take or for sure at a public school near us or even at the private school I used to go to. Uh, so that's definitely a plus. I really appreciate that. And that helps me work harder. You know, it, it keeps the work interesting. Also, you can have a lot more control over your workload. I mean, like we've said already, if you take care of your planning, if you have a planner, and you write out, or even if you use a Google calendar or something like that, and you list out all the things you have to do for a given day or in a week or whatever, um, and go through it and you get stuff done, then you have all this other time, you can budget it wherever you want, which I think is great. I do robotics six hours a day. And I couldn't do that going to public school, going to private school, because I would be in a classroom listening to lectures all day. Uh, and then all night, I'll be working on homework. So 
the freedom that having that much control over your schedule gives you is really valuable. Yeah, so I don't have the experience with public school that Jameson has, but something I will say is that I've met a lot of people who assume that because you're homeschooled, you don't have a lot of social skills. And to an extent, that is true, but Colby has really alleviated that assumption a lot because you're able to have all these classmates and you're able to chat with them throughout class. And it really has helped me just with my social life, just be better at uh, uh, conversing with other people, meeting new people. And it's really helped increase my confidence both in school and just in life in general. I completely agree with that. Being able to talk with people in class is one thing, but something that's even better, arguably, is getting to know them outside of class, just as people. You know, uh, Peter and Aiden and I know each other as friends outside of school. Uh, we live near each other. We hang out from time to time. <laughs> Thanks, COVID, for making that <laughs> not possible lately. But that's besides the point. You know, you meet all these really interesting, smart people through your classes. And even if you don't live near each other, you can set up, uh, I mean, you can exchange information, text them, call them, you know, get a big group of people together and have a video chat and just hang out and get to know people who are like you. And you definitely can have a social life. Uh, you know, there's homeschool groups in almost every city, especially bigger cities. They might not be in Colby, but you can have that shared experience of being homeschooled and managing your time and having a more college-like experience uh, with the amount of control and responsibility you have uh, over your schedule. Yeah. yeah, I want to answer the first question when you had asked what we, I believe you asked what we enjoy in Colby, and I would say the different variety of subjects that we're learning. Like last year in ninth grade, we read the Iliad and the Odyssey. I was, when I was like in eighth grade, I'm like, those are books are for old people and weird people who just want to be smart. And then lo and behold, I'm reading it in ninth grade and now I've read that and now I'm reading a whole bunch of other stuff I didn't even know existed, all about ancient and Roman literature. And so it's really filled me with different knowledge of different subjects and going, I really enjoy the theology. So going in depth with theology right now, we're talking about holy orders and that's such a broad topic, but then to really dive deep into each section of it has been really good. And then to build off the social life, I do agree with all of them, how we can um, we can talk during class and set up video calls and stuff. But one thing about Colby that the public school doesn't offer is we can't see, or that public school does offer, is we can't see each other in person, which is harder because we just have all these online friends and you, you'd really like to meet them in person, but it doesn't work like that in Colby. So that's the only thing I don't like. Uh, but then we can adjust having, you know, texting people, video calling and all sorts of stuff. It's not like we don't have friends. We still do have friends. They're just different than the average friend you think of. Actually, Aiden, you just anticipated my next question because it was going to be, what do you not like or really what gets on your nerves about homeschooling? I know when I was homeschooled, one of the things that really got on my nerves was feeling like there was always something else that I could or should be doing. Like it 
was hard to relax sometimes because I was thinking, oh, well, I, I could get ahead in this subject or, oh man, I'm behind. I guess I need to just double up on this other subject. And so it taught me how to have some boundaries and how to like Jameson, I really like how you use the term budget your time. And maybe that's a little bit better with online classes because they do have more structure. All of mine were homeschool classes, but, but I don't know. Are there things that are just like, get on your nerves? I'd say my least favorite part of uh, homeschooling is, uh, I'm not sure if this is a problem with public school as well, but I find it very easy to procrastinate. And that's really been just my bane when it comes to school work in general. It becomes very easy to procrastinate when you just have all these different things you can see around your room like, oh, I see my Xbox over there, but I know I have to focus on my work, but I want to play Xbox as well. And you, you just have to keep yourself focused on one thing. And you can't get distracted by all these other things going on. I've gotten better with it over my time at, at Colby, but I think it's something that I'll always be fighting. I'm right there with you, Peter. My parents had to institute a no computers whatsoever until after 3 p.m. rule with me because I would just play video games. Yeah, they're distractions. My least favorite thing about Colby, I'd probably end up reiterating what you guys just said. But my second least favorite thing is you don't really go anywhere to do school, which, you know, going to school through sixth grade, I went to a private school. I didn't like getting up and going to the same place every morning. You know, like it's you feel that way with everything, uh, with work, with school, uh, with whatever. But you end up feeling that way about staying at home, too. And I know that everybody's stuck at home right now and has been for the past eight months or so. But when you get the chance to go out and study, even at the library or a coffee shop or just have a study session with friends, whether or not they're in the same class as you, it's, it's nice to have people to study with. Take advantage of that because it helps break the monotony, which is, I think, is one of the detrimental parts of homeschooling. Yeah. Just to kind of build on what Jameson said and what I said was saying earlier, the part I don't like is not being able to see people in person because, you know, after a long day of school, you're wanting to like, I don't know, go outside, kick the ball with your friends, play cards, just talk or something like that. But then right now with Colby, you can't like, you can't just go outside and play kickball with your friends It's because they're not there. Um, and then I kind of do I do agree with Jameson when he says it is hard to get up and go to the same place, especially at your house and you just want to go out and do something and, and you really enjoy that moment when you go to the coffee shop and or whatever places you go to. And one thing that I learned uh, and I have heard other people talk about is don't do school in your bedroom or in another place that you spend a lot of time in because if you end up spending your whole day there, it makes it worse, uh, that monotony. So if you have a designated school area It'll help you get in the, the frame of mind. Okay, it's it's time to do school, and then afterwards you can leave that area and do something else, and you don't feel like you're just staying in the same spot all day. That's a really good point. It can be hard to rest at the end of the day because you've already been there and 
Yeah, I think it's really good to distinguish your sleeping room or your school room or whatever, because I've done, I've read some history upstairs in my bed, and I realized 10 minutes after I start reading the book, I fall asleep. Like, well, this isn't really a benefit of my time. I need to fix this. So from <laughs> now on, I read downstairs in my desk, on, on my desk, because I know if I'm going to fall asleep. But then I, I do if I do agree, if you do your schoolwork upstairs on your bed, and then you know, by the time nighttime comes around and you're ready to relax, and you're like, well, I was up here all day. I want go somewhere else and it's where your bed is so you really can't go anywhere else so yeah you got to distinguish those locations in your house here's a little tip don't let your work get in the way of just hanging out with your family uh, i had a little bit of trouble that with that throughout the beginning of this year but i've gotten better handled my time a little bit better because if you're just doing work all day you're and not just hanging out a little bit just take like an hour, just hang out, watch a movie, watch a show, because just having human interaction is really important sometimes, and not just through uh, a class looking at a teacher and conversing in a chat box. Just go and talk, talk about your day, how it went, and don't be so hyper-focused on school, because... It may seem like there is a lot, but if you just get it done, then it won't seem like that much, and you'll just have more time to just hang out with your family. Unstructured time is so important. So Aiden, you mentioned reading history. When I was trying to work my way through all these primary sources, we had 12 packs of highlighters that would arrive every few months because I highlighted like crazy to keep my place. I wasn't so much like a notes in the margin person, but I was definitely a highlighter person. There are different styles that work for different people. What do you guys find helps or doesn't help you? Yeah, so I use a lot of pens, just circling stuff, making marks, and I use a lot of sticky notes. Like I couldn't tell you how many sticky notes I have by my desk right now. It's insane. I have a whole drawer full of sticky notes because I use them so much. And so that's when I sticky note the most important page and then circle it so I know which line it was. That's what I do. I don't use highlighters because it just it never really worked with me. I didn't like the idea of having like five different colors of pens or highlighters right by you. And Yeah, I'm I'm not as exciting as Aiden. I, I like the tried and true way of uh, pen and paper. I just write down whatever seems important. I'll underline any quote that I think might be brought up in class and I'll try and elaborate on my in my notes when I come back later and taking good notes is also important for when you're studying because uh, on our la on my last uh, midterm for Roman literature I was looking over all my notes for the different books and it really helped me because I was basically doing a recap when I was taking notes so having that just short recap, uh, really helped with my studying, and I ended up doing pretty well on the test. Nice, that makes sense. Yeah, I use a couple different kinds of notes. Um, all of them have to do with the Cornell style of note-taking, which if you don't know what that is, uh, definitely look it up and look into it. I really like it. I got hooked on that in seventh grade, and I've used it ever since. But I think that different subjects warrant different kinds of notes. Uh, for example, a couple years ago, I took biology and biology is almost all vocabulary and all like definable terms. So 
if you write the terms in a column, you can have like a bulleted list and the column next to it with the definitions and some notes and an example or whatever. That works for vocabulary-based subjects like biology. I haven't taken any math classes online through Colby, so I don't know what that's like. Uh, but I have a running list of tips for myself for math, uh, things that I tend to forget or little details that I've missed before. I'll write that down. And then before a test, I can just read through it. It's pretty short. Uh, it's just whatever lingo, as long as you understand what you're writing down, uh, it works. Then for literature and history and subjects like that, where it's mainly books that you read cover to cover. I don't like highlighters. As I'm writing, I'll have a notepad and just jot down some terms and a page number and not really worry about what it means right that minute and then come back to it a day or two later and then be like, oh, this was interesting two days ago. What do I think about it now? And then I'll write down, this is what the author said about this. This is why I thought it was important in class. And you can do that with typing too. During classes, I type my notes. Uh, I don't like to write super fast because my handwriting gets really messy and then it's useless to everybody. But um, if you type your notes during class, a lot of information really quickly, um, then you have it saved somewhere that across multiple computers, you can always look at it. Uh, if you're somewhere else for the day or whatever, then I'll usually transcribe those by hand because writing things out helps me remember. And some teachers require you to turn in handwritten notes. Uh, so to my teachers that hear that I actually type my notes, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it helps uh, to be able to record a whole lot of information and then transcribe it later. If you look at something, once write down what you think is interesting the first time and then put it down for a while and come back to it later it helps you refine your thoughts a little bit more yeah generally with the debate between typing notes and writing notes uh it's a lot easier it's a lot easier to type notes obviously but it's harder to retain that in your memory for a longer period of time. So with classes, it really depends on the teacher. Some teachers will go really fast. Uh, last year, I had a few teachers who went fast with their slides, so it was hard to always uh, write down notes quick enough. I wasn't very uh, fast at handwritten notes, so I would always type notes. But for some classes, some teachers will, do, will go a little slower. And so in those cases, it's a little better for uh, handwritten notes. Have you guys seen the articles that talk about the different areas of your brain that handwriting engages? I think that's really interesting because basically, you know, like all the ads that are animated on the sides of various websites or um, hyperlinks where it says one thing, but you can click on the link and it'll take you somewhere else. Some researchers argue that that trains your brain to stay at a shallower level. Peter, I'm like you, I write handwritten notes, but then it makes sense, Jameson, to to type your notes and have those available and then go back over them and review them, which I think is another interesting thing. Like, I think it's easy to lose sight when we're studying that 
the brain is a muscle just like any other muscle. You exercise it and then you let it rest. And then you come back the next day and maybe you can run a little farther or you can do a few more repetitions. And I love that idea of introducing a concept to yourself and then letting it kind of sit and then building on it. Yeah, I think it's important to take breaks, which that this kind of leads us into that. Uh, And we talked about this before. Taking breaks can mean a whole lot of things. Of course, it can mean procrastinating and getting distracted. But there's also the kind of breaks that you should take because if you work for 12 hours in a row and it's just words on a screen and you have no idea what they mean, but they're there, it's not helpful. As soon as I can't remember what I just wrote, I take a break. It helps, you know, you can kind of formulate your thoughts and then come back and write a whole bunch of stuff and then take a break do something completely unrelated to school or work on something else. And then you're fresh when you come back. Sounds like you guys are really getting to know yourselves and what works for you, what doesn't work for you, the facets of your own personalities, which is so cool because I think like teenagerhood is a lot of wondering if you fit in, wondering if there are people like you, wondering if people will like you. And different things like that. And it can be a little disorienting when you're at home all day. But like these things that you each of the three of you are describing that you've learned in a year or a couple of years of homeschooling, like there are college students and there are professionals who haven't learned this yet or who haven't slowed down enough to examine the way that they get their work done. Like they're kind of on a hamster wheel of, of, I recognize all the stuff that needs to get done and then they just jump in and they don't know how to be effective. And so I think it's super cool to hear each of the three of you describing what works for you and recognizing their similarities, their differences. Yeah, I just want to build on what Jameson had said with breaks. Breaks are extremely important. Like for me, I take a break at 1130 every day to go check the mail mail checking person in the house no one even dares touch that mailbox unless i have checked it so that's my break every morning and then the afternoon i just kind of go go upstairs do something else to get my mind off school because i realize oh i'm not gonna get a good grade on this assignment if i just sit here and stare at it for the next two hours and then i try to have my schoolwork done by 5 p.m at the latest because again i know i'm not going to do well breaks are very important whether that just be going outside and standing there for two minutes Yeah, I remembered the week before midterms this year, uh, I had a lot of different stuff that I was doing, uh, and I was just overworking myself. I wasn't taking any breaks, and I felt super stressed out and super demoralized by the end of the school week, and I just told myself I need to pull myself together and just relax, take a break, and hang out and just take my mind off this and I came back next week and I did my midterms and I felt way better during midterms week than I did the week before and I've just gotten a lot better at not overworking myself and keeping up my time management skills. I want to touch on something you said a minute ago Hope about a lot of teenagerhood or 
whatever the term is, being about figuring out who you are, but also whether you fit in or not. And I think one of the reasons Kobe is amazing is everyone there is nice. All the students, all the teachers, all the advisors, everyone's nice. They make you feel like you're part of the family. And I'm, I wasn't paid to say this. Just, just want to put that out there. I genuinely <laughs> believe that everyone there makes you feel welcome. You will always fit in at Kobe. You know, people have different work ethics. People have different interests. But when you come together and work together and have a genuine desire to put in the work, you're almost guaranteed to fit in uh, at Colby. I know we talked about only knowing people virtually can be detrimental, but I think it's also good because a lot of my friends who go to school or whatever uh, talk about bullying and things like that. That's something that I have yet to encounter at Colby, and I genuinely doubt that I will. Um, I think that that element of being detached from other people is great. You don't really spend that much time caring what other people think about you. You, you know what you think about yourself is what's most important and what God thinks about you. And of course, God will always love you. So I, I think that's another great thing about Colby is the absence of bullying and discouragement. It's a very positive environment. Hearing you talk about that, Jameson, I think back to when I was studying for the bar exam, which is the two-day test that law school graduates take to get their law license in a particular state because you study for the test for two or three months full-time. And their entire motivating strategy was to make you feel like you were failing all the time. There was literally a test halfway through that was designed to fail you, so the theory went so that you would be motivated to work harder. And it was awful. I mean, I passed the exam, but it was such a difficult thing to deal with of this motivation by fear rather than by like, this is challenging, but you've got it in you. And I understand that some people may need to be scared into doing what they need to do, but I love that Colby doesn't take that approach. Yeah, that's absolutely Correct. I mean, I've had teachers in the past at other school and that used similar methods or just didn't give feedback. And something I came to appreciate in ninth grade is that the high school teachers especially give you feedback on every part of your performance. Um, they are completely willing to reach out and just check in if something isn't going well, you know, if you aren't participating in class, they'll say, hey, is, is there something I can do to make this easier for you or help you understand it better? Uh, and then when they're grading papers or exams, they'll give you comments about such and such can be improved in this specific way because it isn't helpful to just hear, no, you're doing it wrong. It's helpful to hear, well, this isn't what I was looking for, but you can do it this way. And this is more along the lines of what we're trying to teach with this assignment. Yeah, I just wanted to add that Cole Taylor, their teaching methods and so, and so do their teachers to the specific person. 
Uh, and then that's kind of what makes them a, a good school because they don't just give you a default setting. This is how we're going to do it. If it doesn't work for you, well, then that's a shame. It's not going to work for you. You got to live through it. It's not the way this works. Like you, It's tailored to fit your specific person. And another thing that Jameson had said was feedback. They really do give you a lot of feedback. They're not just going to put an F on an assignment because it just they didn't like the way it was. They're going to give you feedback and be like, okay, well, this wasn't done this way. This wasn't done this way. This is what I was trying to say. And, and the feedback really helps you to be better in it. Like, so you know your mistakes. You know where, what you didn't do well in. That way you can learn from those and be a better student or do better in the next assignment. I completely agree with the individual tailoring of the curriculum. I, I also think that each teacher has their own expectations for assignments. So you can write, uh, can we name teachers in this? Because they're Colby faculty. <laughs> sure. Okay, so you can write a paper for Mrs. Finnegan and she'll absolutely love it. You can write the same paper for Mr. Schultz and he won't and that's fine and vice versa. But that's one of the things that you pay attention to that, but you don't let it discourage you. Uh, I know at the beginning of this year, I came in writing papers and doing assignments in the style that I'd, I'd gotten accustomed to last year, and it didn't really work because I had different teachers. I just had to learn over the course of a month or so what the individual teachers wanted, what they were looking for, because the class can be called Literature 10 or Science 9. But they aren't only teaching literature or science. They're also teaching you how to look for what your superiors want from you. They also teach you just like the skills that you need to write a paper, to edit your paper, um, to organize your assignments. I think that that's one of the reasons that Colby's immense <laughs> workload is so good. Uh, you're expected to figure out how you as an individual can work on that because uh, everyone's going to process it differently because the teachers want to help you. They, they aren't trying to fail you. Hey guys, I have about 10 more minutes until I have to run. And I'm so grateful that you guys uh, spent this time visiting with us kind of in these last 10 minutes, if there are ideas that you guys want to build on or like we could talk about I think in some of our episodes uh Dr. A and I have talked about how when we were being homeschooled we would get a lot of like native reactions from people who didn't know what homeschooling involved and they're like oh you're homeschooled and and we've conjectured and and hoped that it's better now but I guess you guys could share your thoughts on it or or even funny stories or anything like that I it's really kind of up to you guys um what where should we go from here? Yeah, so I'll say something. The thing with homeschooling, when people think of homeschooling, they think of someone who is insanely smart and has no social skills. And you can see that when you go up to someone and they ask what school you go to and you say you're homeschooled and they just look at you like you're weird. Because to them, you are, because you know all these random facts about ancient Roman literature and they have no idea what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's the way that works. And then they think you don't have a social life because you don't see anybody, which you do have a social life. It's just different. You don't you are, they are correct. You don't see everybody every day, but you still see people. You're not some random guy that lives nowhere. You, you do have a life. Yeah. I, some of the funniest parts, things that I've seen in Colby 
is seeing a public school kid enter into Colby. Because for me, it's always very clear uh, when I look at someone typing and it's very clear they're a public school kid. And it's not always in a bad way, but it's just like they don't really understand how this whole thing works and they're very new. And that's that's okay. Uh, It's just it's kind of funny to me because they're always like, oh, you're homeschooled. Oh, how could you? Do you you have a life? (laughs) (laughs) And they just come into Colby and you're like, yep, this is what it's like. (laughs) I love that. She was on the other side, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I've had that experience too. Um, I've learned not to start conversations with, hey, my name's Jameson. I'm homeschooled. (laughs) You know, people look at you weird. They're like, what does this guy want? He's not going to be able to hold this conversation for more than 10 seconds. I also have a lot of close friends that have come to see that just because I do school a different way than them doesn't mean that I'm any different as a person. Uh, uh, People who know me personally know that I've been the team captain of a really big local robotics team for two consecutive years. And that's a position that involves a lot of public speaking skills, a lot of people skills, I have to write emails to huge companies asking for money. Um, I have to schedule weekly meetings where I address anywhere from two to 30 people. So two years ago, I walked into a robotics meeting. I thought that all the concepts and stuff were cool, but I had no idea how it worked. And I was pretty shy. And I stood in the corner and just watched stuff. But from that day, I knew that's where I fit in. I was just going to have to figure out how to show people that I belonged there, but not in the way that it's like, you got to show Chad from the insert public school name that you're cool enough to be on the varsity team. You don't, you, you meet people who share your interests, who are passionate about what they do and can appreciate that you're also passionate about it. We have a running joke. Imagine being homeschooled and we say it in good fun and new people who are homeschooled uh, kind of take offense at it. And they're like, Oh, we're homeschooled too. You can see us. We're standing right here. We actually exist. <laughs> we aren't some fabled creature like you make us out to be, but it's a running joke and you can make that your own running joke. Um, imagine being homeschooled because you can surprise people. I'm a real person. I know how to talk to people. I'm friendly. I'm smart. Uh, I have charisma. You got to find your groove. You don't conform yourself to other people. You find people who are like you, can appreciate you for who you are. And I think that being homeschooled gives you that opportunity because you aren't forced to be in the same classroom with the same people every day. You can find groups of people around you that have the same strengths and weaknesses and you can connect with them by choice, not by proximity. I think that's, I'm only in 10th grade, so I don't know what being an adult is like. Uh, but from what I can tell, that's what post-university life is like. You got to figure out where you belong and who you are. And if you're homeschooled, you can take advantage of that being distanced from everyone 
to figure out who you should put yourself close to. Aiden, anything you wanted to add or Peter or, or anything? Yeah, something I just wanted to add is it's interesting in this society, us as homeschoolers, we're thought of as the smartest people. And if there's like a deep philosophical or theological question, they go and ask the homeschoolers. Like for example, tonight at my youth group, I'm leading a Bible study on the dignity of human life. I'm a 16 year old boy and asked to lead a Bible study on that. And it's like, wow, I'm okay, sure. And you know, they knew, well, you're, you're homeschooled, you know, you know what you're talking about, so you go for it. Okay. And that's, you know, they're going to ask us as homeschoolers to do that because they know we know what we're talking about. We're smart, we're intelligent. We, it's not like we're just going to talk about it on the cuff. We're going to get good resources and we actually know what we're talking about. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.